0: Everyone and welcome to the Traceability Podcast. I'm your host Tracy Edwards, and today our guest is Columbus Brown. Columbus is a business strategy consultant with over 16 years of expertise in strategy, transformation, and market initiatives uh, in business architecture and project management. He's been a featured speaker at business analysis and project management conferences around the country. And we are so excited to have him here to share his story. So was there anyone that was sort of a, a mentor or someone that sort of saw something in you that would um, help you be beneficial to that particular project or and that kind of um, led you that way, yeah. so to speak?
1: So, so ironically, a, a lot of my mentors were some of the top-notch consultants from those consulting firms that I, I saw hand had a really solid engineering tool set. I knew how to do a project or make mechanical things, but you add people to that, and you add change, and they're very different. So, one one particular um, consultant, you know, would come in and draw on whiteboards and you know facilitate conversations and have these really neat analogies, and I, I just started sitting back and watching and picking up those soft skills and, and those techniques, and it really drew me in.
0: You know, that's uh, often something that we sort of um, don't pay as much attention to in our careers when we, when we have sort of those serendipitous moments where we're on projects and working with with people um, that can sort of help us broaden our horizons a little bit. And it sounds like that's that's what happened for you, sort of led you down a different path. How did you get into consulting at, at that point Was it through some of those contacts that you had made or?
1: So so it was a weird, it was weird and ironic. So I was working with Microsoft and another consulting agency approached me in my capacity as I was over the SharePoint environment for my company. And they approached me to do SharePoint type consulting. At the same time, you know, I was looking at what's going on at Microsoft and, you know, they approached me in terms of doing an interview. And the general manager of this particular company just took me out to lunch, and so it, it was an awkward situation because um, just from a conflict of interest standpoint, you know, this uh, they were definitely conversations about um, career from my point point of view. But I also wanted to, you know, be just clear about if they're going to work with the company that that felt a little weird. And so I told the company, "Hey, why don't you talk with my team? I'm gonna sit out of the conversations. I went lunch with this GM." of this company. And he was just very charismatic. I really liked where he was going. I found it as, um, you know, I had 10 years of experience, but not in consulting, but he was willing to bring me on the team and help me learn the consulting skill set. So he's a major, he's a major influence in that decision. And and that's how I made that transition. So.
0: We, We often don't work as hard as we probably should at letting our mentors know where our interest lies or expressing that we might have an interest in something else and and that kind of thing. Uh, something that I've learned uh, as I've been talking with a lot of the folks on the podcast is uh, the responsibility that we have to our own careers and that we're responsible for sort of putting ourselves forward and taking advantage of those opportunities when they come to us. It's not something that that typically just sort of falls upon us, (laughs) right? right. so to speak. So, and it it sounds like uh, that was something that was important uh, to you in your career as well. It
1: was, you know, just adding to what you're saying in terms of letting your mentors know, I think a key part of that is understanding who you are and where you fit in. You know, for me, I have an intention statement and it's to develop leaders, to build communities of practice and to design meaningful things that impact the world and by things it doesn't necessarily have to be machines it could be systems organizations ways of working took some significant self work to really understand where i fit in into you know what are my skills what are what is my end goal you know what do i want to not to be morbid but what do i want to be have said about me by my family friends and the community at my funeral and to live every day of my life in that way and so that statement for me reflects that
0: That's a great one. A lot of us feel somewhat lost on occasion, as we're trying to sort of figure out where do we want to go in our careers. And there's always the sort of mantra to follow your passion and, and that kind of thing. But it sounds like, you know, you're sort of more interested in the finding your purpose kind of thing. One of the ways that we do that is really just finding out what our gifts are and uh, it, it sounds like that that was something, a, a process that you went through. Um, were there certain techniques or anything that you used to sort of the, discover those things in yourself?
1: So I had a good coach, and um, she walked me through a lot of that um, for a period of time. And I also went to a, a leadership training where that was kind of, a theme. it was a theme, you know, in terms of you know, what are the blocks to you achieving the things that you want to achieve in, in life and how do you remove those blocks and just walking in your purpose and it, it really colors for me uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis because it's either it either fits in that or it doesn't, right? It makes things a lot easier.
0: Oh, oh I love that. It it helps you sort of um winnow out the the things that are maybe not as as useful to your intention statement. And I a big plug for coaching as well. I've been going through a, a coaching program the last year and a half or so and and it's been so beneficial and sounds like it was for for you as well. So big plug for coaches and the work that they do to help us discover our, our gifts and talents. Segwaying sort of into business architecture, were you always sort of um, at the business strategy kind of thing? And is that where the business architecture interest sort of came about for you?
1: or so, so it all came down to a bolt for me. You know, it came down to a bolt. So I went to engineering school and, you know, you're excited and you're going to, they tell you you're going to design these really exciting things. And you get there. And if you're in production, you get to design a bolt. And you spent your life, you know, working on a boat, and that boat could be holding really important things together. That was for me at that point. Who was realizing that um, I had gone to school and I wasn't going to see the big picture was like the awakening for me, right? So I I shifted, and I think it was around early two thousands. I went and I got my MBA. And um, I was, I was teased by my peers. They're like, you should get a master's in systems engineering or a master's in mechanical engineering or pursue the black belt curriculum. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be that guy that um, is, you know, and and rightfully so that some people that's their life's calling. But for me, I wanted the whole airplane. I wanted to see how things get together. And that shift was really when I started thinking about strategy and business architecture when I went to business school, I got to see how the whole business worked together. And so when the quarterly report would come out, I'd listen to the end of the investor call for my company, and I I would know which programs were going to be canceled, because I had a better understanding of business strategy and what decisions were going to be made. When I came to uh, performance time, you know, it was less about, you know, oh, why did I get a four or a three? It's like, hey, do you like me this year? Because you and I both know this process is jacked up, and you got to do some things that aren't fair. So don't like me this year, you're going to like me next year, because that's what it's really about, right? It just opened my mind to um, thinking about the big picture and the blueprint and how things fit together versus just the piece that I was on. Uh, and I think as product owners and um, even as agile professionals, business analysts, and project managers, oftentimes we love what we're doing and we're real comfortable with it, but we, ha- we have a framework for a bolt. And the business architecture elevation of that where you're getting to see a holistic picture of how everything fits together, more than just an application or a rollout or a product of how does the whole business fit together? You know, what, what, do we, what are the needs of the customer? How do those drive different products and, and um, services? You know, how do we reach those customers? What are the costs that are going to be incurred in delivering value to a customer? What are the revenue streams that I'm gonna receive? And then from an operation standpoint, what capabilities or what are the abilities that I need to achieve the business strategy or outcomes? Um, who do I need to partner with and what specific resources do I need to deliver value? It's just a business plan, but it's a holistic way of looking at um, things. And you can take that at a big E enterprise level. You could take it at a E enterprise. You could take it at a business unit or a little business inside of a business, or you can take it down to a department level and you can even take it down to an individual level. What is my personal business model? Um, how do I add value to other people? Uh, what are my strengths? You know, Who are my customers? You know?
0: So something that I have noticed, um, especially recently, um, most of my stakeholders are sort of on the operations side of things, and um, I'm definitely quite interested in sort of that big holistic picture of, of everything. And I notice um, how hard it is for organizations really to sort of take the long view, um, uh, especially when they're tasked with, you know, meeting sort of uh, operational goals and, and that kind of thing. So what are some things that you recommend, I I guess, both to people and to organizations to, um, sort of figure out a way to, to meet those goals while also sort of taking that long view?
1: That's a good question. I, I think the first part is to understand. We have a very idealized view of how things work and, um, to me, it's very simple. It's about tribes, incentives, and lobster. Let's say I am a decision maker in an organization and I want to choose a piece of software. We'll call it um, sales board. Right. We'll call it sales board. So sales board. So the first thing is my tribe, my family or my significant other. How do I do what I need to do to provide for them or, or provide for myself, or, you know, maybe I want a new BMW M3, or maybe I want a Corvette or like, what's important to me as an individual? That's the first motivator, right? And um, so it could be like, hey, I need to do X, Y, and Z because I want to send my kid to college or, um, you know, different things. My partner has a lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to and I need to support it, right? What's important around my tribe as an individual? Second part is incentives. The incentives in most corporations are siloed. And so it'll be around a department's goal and it'll tie back to that person. So we've already introduced two things that are conflicting with what you're sharing about understanding the overall organization's goals and aligning it to the strategy is a lot of most of the decision makers, even the good ones, they have their tribe comes first. Second, their incentives are benefit their tribe, and their decision-making is going to be based on that. And Then you throw in, I said lobster, but it's really steak and lobster. You get a salesperson who comes, and they have a really good steak and lobster dinner, and they take you out the wine and dine you, and they tell you how if you buy sales board, it's going to benefit you because you will achieve your incentives, regardless of whether it's successful, but if you just deploy it, and here's a solution to a, a wicked problem, which we're not going to get too much into that, and it'll benefit your tribe. I've just defined the silo. That is why the silos don't talk. It's because we've we've allowed that type of sale to come in around technology and software. So we're we're looking for uh, we we're looking for incentives that benefit us personally. And we make those decisions based on we had a great steak and lobster dinner. It's going to match up with my incentives if I do this. I'm going to be a rock star, whether it makes sense or not. And I'm concerned about my tribe. Then we get to what we encounter, like you're business analyst, and you know you've been looking at sales board, but dynamic dynamics, br brm or whatever. It's much better, and you know because it's what the company needs, and you. You look at the and you ask what are the requirements and the decisions already been made. We're going with Sales Board. Uh, that makes no sense. But did anyone talk to the other department? They they already deployed Sales Board and they have an instance of it and we're deploying it again. That doesn't make sense, right? That, that's the now that's the world that we live in. And we're, and we're reaching back trying to make sense of it. But most of those decisions are because of the, the way the corporations are structured and how people are incentive. Now, what if if people were incentivized differently to collaborate, you might have different outcomes. So it's a core problem, and I think that that's that's where we struggle. Um, we can have great facilitation, we can have safe, we can have frameworks, but it's it's really not about those things. You know, it's about um, what's most important to people who are making those decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. That is such a great example. And, um, that's certainly, you know, what I've run into in in my career and why I have sometimes struggled on things don't make sense and, and that kind of thing. What would be some advice that you would, uh, give folks? Cause I know one of my frustrations over the years has been that that decision has already been made Mm -hmm. and that I sort of had no influence over that decision because I'm a little fish in a big pond kind of thing. So what are, what is are some advice that you might give to folks uh, when they sort of feel like they're bumping up against that?
1: So three Cs. One, um, and let's hope I can remember them all. Uh, three Cs would be conflict, collaborate, or conform. So you face that situation, your little fish in the big pond, and you know that sales board is not the right decision. So you can you can create the conflict. You can say, I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna say, not by me. Most of the times what's gonna happen is you're gonna be martyred. So by you being martyred, you might, in your death, and death could be career-wise or reputation-wise or uh, financially, in your death, you're gonna make a point. And that might start a revolution that changes things, right? But you're you're, you're gonna take a personal hit to buck against the system that's the conflict right Together, we all understand we can go along with it conform and say hey you know it's, it's my 3 and and that's good with me or my 4 and no more or, or uh, done like you can say it's about my tribe and you know I'll just trade off whatever it is and and take the financial benefit or not get into it and I'll just go along with it and the other one is to create, and we forget that. It could be a couple of things. It could be reframe the problem in a different way and create a different solution to it. Create a new system. It could be um, as drastic as, hey, I'm going to leave this organization and do my own thing and create something new that fulfills what my, what my intention statement and my purpose is and go do that. So you could create something from scratch or you could create another department. You know, I know some folks who have been in that situation who that's launched their business architecture career because they saw that there's something greater that needed to happen. And so they, they, on one hand, they conformed to how it was while at the same time, they created a whole different department that rose up and addressed those things cross silos inside of an organization.
0: Yeah. I always find that, that fascinating how, um, the, the creators are able to, to sort of, um, balance that kind of thing. So what's coming up for you? How are you doing, um, with sort of the COVID-19 craziness right now? And
1: the initial reaction for me, like everyone is shock fear. Um, we just, these are different times, you know, no one, no one could foresee the economic and total things that have just happened over, um, disease you know like no one saw this coming you know if you have strategy if you have a big strategy document you need to rip it up because it's all irrelevant it's a different world the future doesn't look good there's a lot of things that could lead to civil unrest a lot of a lot of bad right um so first you know it's kind of shock like you know my my whole world is changing our whole world is changing my son's world is changing my wife's world is changing my it affects everybody you know family, my friends. I, I, I have a different view. Like I, I I believe in the good of humanity. And I think that this is actually a time for us to just come to reckoning about who we really are. And um it's you know, are we going to be selfish? Are we going to keep to ourselves in terms of not just our toilet paper and sanitizer and, and other things, but are we going to show true humanity and reach out to our fellow woman and fellow man? And um, use the gifts and skills and abilities and talents that we've had to show light in humanity. And that might that might seem a bit philosophical, but it, it, it's really a choice. You know, like, are we going to choose to be selfish? Or are we going to choose to embrace and, and help one another? And uh, we, we're, we're one of the most connected. We're, we're so connected, you know, right now. Um, and um, I've seen some beautiful things. You know, looking out my window, I've seen families walking together I've seen kids actually go outside and get off their tablet and play you know I've seen families figuring out situations and working through um, balancing the workload at home and sharing responsibilities I've seen people um, step up and go grocery shopping you know there's um, for other people you know there was a, a chef who recently said on Twitter something like what if the stores op- opened early and let Um, um, our elders go in early and, and that became the norm. So I think this is really a a time for everyone, including me, you know, like, you know, do I want to secure my lifestyle and make revenue, but how can I help my city? You know, how can I help my family? How can I help my neighbors through this and not be afraid of the disease, but be um, charged with light, you know, and, good and do good things. And, um, you know, I'm I'm even challenged in the stuff I know around business architecture. Can I take that to my city and how I'll set a challenge for myself that you guys can help me accountable, hold me accountable to that I I reach out to my local government and see how I can help out and help with um, strategy around the biggest thing that's happening right now that is concerning, which is we don't have enough capacity in our hospitals if this disease spreads really quickly and how, how can we all center around that and help regardless of whether you're a democrat or, or a republican or a libertarian you know we all bleed red we all bleed red blood and we're human and how can we help each other in the states and how can we help our global community with the resources we have so i don't know if that was what you're asking but um that's really that's really where i think we're at
0: i love that because i think um tribes and incentives, it, it's really easy to sort of want to stick with that status quo and um, be be frightened about anything that might be impacting that status quo. But I think it's also a time for like you say, encouraging um, new conversations that we might not typically be having um, or pursuing um, in sort of our regular, regular world kind of thing. And um, so I really appreciate that. I I think it's a really positive message, and it's a very hopeful message. And I think those are the messages that we need at this particular time, that the way through is not to sort of shrink from the conversations, but to pursue the conversations and to pursue different things that might be a little difficult or a little... Challenging, kind of thing, and so um, I really appreciate you you sharing that message. And I'm anxious uh, to get a report back from you on how those conversations go within your your uh, local government, and and that I think uh, you've definitely got the the skill set and the the attitude for helping them out there. If folks want to connect with you, what's sort of the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Two ways, um, LinkedIn, Columbus Brown MBA, and the other one is on my company's site, fromhereon.com. We're doing really great things, not just for companies, but also for municipalities and and governments. And so if you want to hear more about how you can use business architecture and design thinking to uh, impact the world and realize what's possible, check us out, fromhereon.com.
0: Well, thank you, and we definitely will be checking out from hereon.com. For those of you listening today, if you've liked what you've heard, or if there's something that resonated with you, uh, your call to action today is to leave me a comment at traceabilitypodcast.com, or send me an email at Tracy T R A C I E at traceabilitypodcast.com, and just let me know what action you feel inspired to take as a result of our show today. And Columbus, some really excellent takeaways. And I thank you so much for your time this evening and look forward to uh, hearing more from you. Thanks.
1: Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share.